music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield, and I'm sitting with one of my favorite artists, Bob Mould, and a guy I consider a friend for a long time as well. Bob, great to see you. Matt, good to see you again. You know, I, Bob, I, when we're in this building today, this reminds me, I got to go back um, to a time in the 90s when we actually, the last time we saw each other in this building in particular, this MTV building, was when you'd come up and you were going to play me some songs and you were, you, we got on the phone together and you're like, you know what, I don't want to do that whole label song and dance. Let's just you and I hang out. And I, mm-hmm. Instead of the label taking us out, yeah. I said, Bob, let me buy you lunch. And we had Thai food, <laughs> yes. which was fantastic. <laughs> and then what was really, even another interesting part of the day was, I was actually on my way to 120 minutes to interview Paul Westerberg, and you hadn't mm-hmm. seen him in years, so I said, come on over. Oh, and you guys- God, That's right, yeah. We <laughs> were like five seconds in. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, so it had been the first time in years, so yeah. it's it's amazing. Have, uh, you, have you talked to Paul lately? You know, I haven't seen Paul since before Johnny Ramone passed away. Yeah. When Paul was doing a show for the Mono and Stereo Records, I went there with Bob Forrest, a Florentine monster, mm-hmm. of course yeah, yeah. you know. And Bob and I went over to see Paul perform and do his in store at, at Amoeba in L.A. Mm-hmm. And we the last time I saw Johnny alive, Johnny Ramone, and yeah. and I that's the last time I talked to him. We hung out and talked to him for a little while after, but it's been a while. I just yeah. enjoying being a dad. Uh, well, yeah, he has. He's been uh, yeah doing the dad, and also the uh, the stuff he did with Glenn Campbell was amazing. Yeah, I do love the, that. The, uh, was it Ghost on the Canvas? Yeah, was the song that he was in the video for like a quick yeah, moment. so brilliant. It's really great because you know I just love Glenn and. Glenn mm-hmm. Campbell's amazing. Great guitarist, yeah. great singer. Yeah. And those, you know, the Jimmy Webb stuff he did all those years ago. Don't get me started on Jimmy Webb. Yeah, love him too. <laughs> you know, speaking of songwriters, Bob, the new album uh, is called Silver Line. Silver Age. Uh, Silver Age. God, did I, why did I call it Silver Line? District Line. District Line. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I've been out doing hybrids. Recently, I was thinking of Arthur Alexander and Joseph Arthur. Oh and my I gosh. said. Joseph Alexander, which was bizarre. So well, I did that yesterday in well, my here's, brain. Here's here's my here's my uh, wheel of fortune one. LMFAO Schwartz. <laughs> I love that. It's great. LMFAO Schwartz is a new. It's a new band. It's going to happen. It's hilarious, man. So Silver Age, great record. You're it's getting great reviews. It's your ninth solo record, Bob. Um, yeah, I think so. I, you know, I haven't actually stopped to count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mind blowing, but people love it. They say they've been saying how they love the return. That it's reminiscent of some Husker Du things of the sugar stuff. Yep. Even though it's you, of course, mm-hmm. it, mo- it modern in the modern yep. age and writing from where you are right now. Yeah. So you've been working with the band. It's great with Jason from Telekinesis. He's mm-hmm. part of your band. John from Super Chunk. Yep. Great friend for years. Yep. And it's. Uh, I just feel like there's something about the, that unit of the band at this point in time that really works for this record too. In your songs. You know, the funny part with it, you know, as we're out doing the 20th anniversary Copper Blue, you know, as the yeah. first half of the sets on this tour. You know, people are like, wow, so are you going to have a band or something? I'm like, well, Jason and John and I have actually played together longer than Sugar existed. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> and I think that shows when people see us play and, you know, with Silver Age to be able to, the three of us in a room in San Francisco doing basic tracks the old fashioned way, I mean, that, you can hear it in the record. Yeah, definitely. And was it fun to do it there in San Fran, where you played it? That yeah, way? it was really, it was really, really good. We worked at a, we spent, uh, we spent about twelve days tracking at a place called Height Street Studios, which, you know, very old school studio. A lot of, a lot of the great records. You know, I think Janice used to hang there a lot, and just it had a great history and a great old Neve console. And we, you know, it was just fun to get back in the room and 
you know, watch the songs get faster and faster as we learn them better and <laughs> <Yeah>. better. <laughs> it's like, okay, here we go. It's great. Great. It's well, it's great. And it's just the way it's going to translate live as well. I yeah. Think, so. Yeah. We've been playing about, we've played about half the record live. We just did a bunch of festivals in Europe last month. And uh, yeah, the response has been great. I mean, you know, you know, we were a little nervous at first because Copper Blue start to finish. That's a pretty big record. It's a, it's definitely a high watermark. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to to immediately go into Star Machine and the Descent and City Square and keep believing and then see the look on people's faces like, whoa, this stuff is like as good or better. So yeah. it's, it's it makes me feel good, and we're we're having a great time with it. That's great. Well, you know, I want to go back to your childhood mm-hmm. uh, for a moment. You know, I, I love the new book that you put out, Seal of oh, Thank Light. you. You know, it's a fantastic book. An incredible read for those who haven't uh, checked it out yet. But let's talk about one of my favorite stories always with you, and it's the music geek in me. And you know, mm-hmm. is you know, people, young people may not always realize it's so much, so easy to get a hold of music now. It's at yes. the tip of your hands. When we were kids, getting a forty-five or an album. I mean, it was too. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't have a lot of money to buy yeah. them. You can only, maybe only get a couple of them mm-hmm. with the money that you did have. And I love the story about you know the jukebox singles for you. So if you could just share that with everybody, yeah, once it's again, like it's like how you discovered music as a kid. Singles are to me as a child as communionist to Catholics. You know, yeah. sort of like it's that thing. You know, you don't get very many, and you really you, you know it's 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 something you really cherish and appreciate and all that. Um, yeah, my uh, I grew up in a small town in northern New York, a town called Malone, like uh, four thousand people at the time, and. Uh, my dad used to know the guy that ran the vending company and they would stock the jukeboxes at all the, you know, like the truck stop diners with, you know, pop songs and all these trucker songs. And uh, when they would change out the, you know, and put up the new singles, they pull the old ones down and he'd buy these boxes of them for a penny a piece. And that was my real introduction into music and my education. You know, I sat there as a kid and studied those day in and day out, you know, memorized label copy and, you know, the yeah. whole thing. So it's, yeah, like you do. And then and discovered your musical taste through that, just your education. Yeah, well. and, if you, and if you juxtapose that against, you know, kids that, you know, go and sample music for free online and just grab all these files and, you know, they're, they're sort of faceless these days. You know, I mean, the music's still amazing and the artwork's still great these days, but it doesn't have that, you're not being handed something. Yeah, the it's, it's, it's a completely different experience. It really is. Um, you know, and again, you know, music is music, and it's a great thing that, that heals us and gives us life. But to actually have somebody hand you music or to make the effort to go and find music, it's a really different experience. So that was, you know, as a small child, that's th- those are my memories. You know, that's what I grew up with. Yeah, I'm, and I have the parallel life that way. Those 45s oh, God. were a big part of your life. And yeah. you listen to both sides of those 45s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what. You know, and you'd play the you'd play the A side over and over. If you love the B side, you'd learn that. Yeah, as and then well. you get that you get those B sides like faking it, you know, and you're yeah. like, that's the one that's yeah. even better. Yeah, well, exactly. that <laughs> Great song by son yes. Garfunkel, right? Yeah, that was the one that was two minutes and seventy four seconds. Yeah. Nice because <laughs> <laughs> you had to be under three minutes to get yeah. radio play. So they I love the way they, they would it. fix it's that. Great. You know, it's incredible back in that day. Bob this also talk about Husker Du forming in 79. Mm-hmm. That was a necessity. I mean, to, 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 for musical expression for you, you, you just, and writing songs, that was the kind of thing. But there, it also ties into your whole love of records because there was a record store involved. Yeah. There, right? Yeah. Um, in uh, 1978, I moved from northern New York. I went out to the Twin Cities and uh, started at a school called McAllister College. It was in St. Paul. And just down the street from the dorms, there was a little record shop tucked into a building is called Cheapo Records. And I remember walking by one day and there was 
you know, a PA set up out front. It was blasting like some crazy jazz or it might have been the Perubu Modern Dance or something. And uh, that's where I met Grant Hart, who was the other principal songwriter in Husker Du. And, uh, you know, we hit it off right away. And Grant knew, said he knew this fellow named Greg that worked in another record store that had a bass. And we got together and, you know, started playing. We had a keyboard player for a couple shows. We did some covers. And then uh, in May of 79, we played our first show at a club called The Longhorn in Minneapolis. We got an opening slot on a Friday night, I think, for uh, Curtis A., who was on Twin Tone Records at yeah. the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, record shops. That's, you know, if it wasn't for that, there wouldn't have been Husker Du. So, yeah. again, and, again, the history of... It goes back to that, you know, that searching for and loving music and want to be around. It. Yeah. And that experience of... Yeah, the shared experience. I mean, that, you know, I mean, music, you know, headphones are great. Listening at home is great. But to get together with friends and share music and to go to shows and share that experience with people... I mean, that's really what it's about. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then let's go on to uh, the period with Sugar, because I know we're jumping across a couple of your solo records Mm -hmm. there that are brilliant. Workbook and Black Sheets of Rain. And Bob, I got to say, when when you that's a whole nother, we'll get into the the Celebrate Your Music at the Walt Mm -hmm. Disney Music Hall. We'll Mm -hmm. talk about that. But Sugar, doing Copper Blue again, when you announced that in California that you're Mm going to go on tour, blew a lot of people's minds because the album is so important to so many people and the songs on there. What was the deciding factor when you said, you know what, I'm going to go do this record again? Well, I mean, I've, you know, I'm always, you know, sort of a mark for anniversaries and and commemorating moments in your life that are real, real important. And, you know, and I knew 2012 was coming and we were trying to get some reissues together. We were talking to different labels and uh, to make the step to actually do it and uh, commit to going out and doing it that I had to wrap my head around that. Um, you know, one thing that I haven't talked about with a lot of people is, uh, you know, David and Malcolm and I got together and, uh, sat and talked about doing this and I loved playing with those guys. Um, a lot of time has passed and a lot of things have changed in all of our lives. You know, both Malcolm and David are full-time, uh, university people now. Yeah. David, uh, Barbie actually still lives in Athens, Georgia, and, uh, he's the head of the music business department at the university of Georgia. Yeah, so he's got a career there. He's got a career there. He's got tenure. He's got uh, David Lowry's down there working with him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, David's the man. He's got his recording studios, you know, Chase Park down there. And he couldn't commit. You know, I totally understood. Yeah. You know, and ditto with Malcolm. You know, I mean, if if the three of us couldn't all do it, I sort of had to look at another thing. And that's when I asked Jason and John if they would help me out with it to go out and, you know, do the shows this year. And uh, at the same time, I had been thinking about making another record, something that might, you know, if it worked out, to complement Copper Blue, and, you know, that's where Silver Age came from. So, uh, you know, it was that record got written pretty quickly, and I guess it was right after Disney Hall was when most of the record was written. Yeah. You know, so and, that everything was building up to that. It worked you know? out really great. Yeah. Now, I love that Merge Records yeah. decided to put out the reissues of Copper Blue and File Under Easy Listening mm-hmm. and add all those B-sides and yeah. the Beaster record and... The you, live stuff. Yeah, the live, those two live discs from wow. the two shows well, blew that, me away. The first one, the July 92 uh, Metro in Chicago, I mean, you know, Chicago's my, that's my big town. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went in and played that show and nobody had heard those songs. So when you listen to that crowd reaction, I yeah. mean, that's what makes that really special for me. Yeah. Is that to have... 1,200 people behind you like that, not knowing one note of the music. And it was that immediate reaction, wow. right? That show was one of the one of those defining moments where we said, wow, this is, I think this is going to work. 
Yeah. You know, and then and then a couple of weeks later we went over to London and did did the shows over there, you know, Clapham Grand and the Yulu shows and, you know, I, then it was it really started to take off after that. It I'm was, glad people finally got to hear those. Yeah. You know, so and how was it finding all that stuff? Are these things that you had help you had, had I had I yeah, I knew where they were. Yeah, which is very good. <laughs> I'm a pack rat. Yeah. Well that's good though. You know, yeah. you can't let go of those things that are a big part of your life. No, and, no. It's it, and, and always in due time, you know, to let yeah. those things be heard. So Yeah. And speaking of which, right after the book came out, See a Little Light, which again I want to recommend that people go out and pick up, it's your autobiography, mm-hmm. which is an incredible book. Um they when you decided to do the celebration of your music, when you mm-hmm. when people talk to you about it, I had the honor. I was honored to come out and be a part of that and being the announcer and, and do and, and or you know interviews the artists on stage. You know that was my idea. I knew it was. Thank you, Bob, and yes. I, I I really appreciated you. It was. I me. wanted you there because you, yeah. you know everybody that was there. I mean that was yeah yeah and but I, and I, you and I have known each other yeah. for so long too, and it was a great part of it. And I love the fact that what was different about this show was. That the people on stage talked about why they loved your music yes. and their relationships with you, yeah. and to have you know Dave Grohl there performing with you, and mm-hmm. and to have Ryan Adams and you know and and uh, and Craig and Tad from from, from Steady. Steady and Britt from Spoon and Margaret Cho. Margaret and Grant Lee you and know, Grant Lee we, Phillips, yeah, because we did the Grant Lee Buffalo single, SOL put out the you know put out the first single, yeah. So it was just yeah, it's just great stuff. It was an incredible show. And for No you. Age, you know who you know the great band so from Silver Lake, yeah, yeah. For me, that was an incredible night, and it was was it amazing to watch the people doing the songs. I know that yes, when, when, I know Ryan had was a bit nervous when he went out. Ryan Adams and did, uh, you know, did Heartbreak a Stranger and Black Sheets of Rain. And I remember you looking at me. We were backstage and going, "How do you follow that?" It was it was it was it have tears. I yeah, mean, I yeah <laughs> I you know I uh, I will never play Black Sheets of Rain again. I told Ryan, you know, the next day I sent him an email. I said, "Well, that's your song now." Yeah, I'm not touching it. And he was doing it on tour after after that. You know uh, that, right? No, it was very sweet. I saw when he did it. He did it when he did the extended taping for Letterman, and he's been. Yeah, I mean, Ryan's. You know, he's just an amazing guy. We were just chatting the other the other day. He's doing great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear he's doing great. Ryan's incredible songwriter and player as well. Now, you know, speaking of TV, I know you recently did uh, Letterman for Silver Age for The Descent, Mm -hmm. and you know, tell me how you ended up writing the theme song for the John Stewart show. Oh my gosh, for the Daily Show! Well, Daily Show. um, Well, you (laughs) know that song. uh, That song. It was an instrumental song that I could never get words for, and I never got a title for it. And uh, Jim Wilson, my engineer from Austin, Texas, he just called it "Dog on Fire." That's what we labeled it. So that's that was the title. But um. Yeah, uh, Liz Winstead, who was one of the co-creators of the show, she yeah. and Madeline Smithberg. Yeah. You know, Liz and I go way back, you know, Minneapolis days, and Liz has a book out now, too, yeah. which is incredible. Liz, yeah. But, um, yeah, Liz approached me and said, do you have anything that might be a good a good song for, you know, theme for the show that we're working on? And I played her two songs, one of which was Dog on Fire. She was like, that's perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, that's been incredible, and I'm so grateful that the the show has kept the song throughout the years. Yeah. You know, I know They Might Be Giants did a re-record, and they've done so many different versions of it now. But, um, but yeah, it's really, really great to be associated, you know, with that show. And John, who's, you know, I've, Incredible. Known, for, I've <laughs> known him for a long time. You know, we go back, you know, when he was the bartender at City Gardens. Oh, Trenton. which is something that, you know, I know him from, too. <laughs> yes. Because, oh you know, my gosh. You know uh, going to City Gardens <laughs> and actually promoting all their shows at the college radio stations yes. for Rutgers and Princeton. Yeah. When I did my shows there. And uh, Randy now, the booking agent, would come up, or Frank, the owner, yeah. and promote oh. the shows. Or, you know, Black Flag would come in back in the yes. day. And, um 
you know, I just remember John bartending the back yeah. bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the front bar, I go, hey, it's John in the back bar. Yeah. He's you know? for he's for real. He's got real cred. You know? He really it's, does. It's, it's great. <laughs> you know, and, and speaking of Randy, I did a I did a book show. He he's booking a place a called venue. the Record Collector, right? That little no somewhere else, New Hope Winery. Oh, he's, he's got a little three hundred capacity room in New Hope, Pennsylvania. That's great. He does shows. Yeah, so I worked with Randy uh, last fall. He's doing great. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, there were so many great bands that went through there, Bob, including Husker Du. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> the City Gardens. Yeah, shows. the City Gardens Warehouse and Trenton, New Jersey. You oh, had to go through the worst area ever. Yeah. But, you know, but but it was it was my favorite venue. I love the place. You know? Well, Trent, yeah, the City Gardens was always crazy. It was always crazy because... You could do an afternoon show somewhere or do an afternoon show there and then play like Philly that night or something. Yeah. It's always, I remember yeah. it was always the Sunday shows. <laughs> there was just those, yeah, those daytime shows were cool. Yeah. I remember New Order doing their first show when they came over after Ian Curtis died in the afternoon on a Saturday. And, oh my and, gosh. At City Gardens. Yeah, at City Gardens. Whoa. And, you know, we all paid like 10 bucks to get in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, people don't believe these stories <laughs> yeah, when you tell them. Yeah, there's incredible <laughs> stories about so much stuff that went on there. This is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, speaking of great stories and going back to um, things that you've done recently, I love that in the uh, Foo Fighters documentary, and I know you've been on the road with the Foos, yeah. Dave Grohl being, you know, going and talking about how, you know, I stole so much from Bob and I love Bob's stuff. And then you got to do Dare Rosemary together on that record, which yeah. is a great song. Was that a great experience for yeah, you? Yeah, it too? was amazing. I mean, Dave is a sweetheart. People always ask me, what's he really like? I'm like, what do you mean? What He's you, really like everything you see. What He's you great. see is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is. I mean, Dave is just such an amazing guy. You know, I mean, I agree. It's funny, you know, when people. People can be cynical, you know, and they say, you know, aren't you, you know, aren't you a little mad that, you know, he sort of got all of the accolades and you did. And I'm just like, you don't understand, you know, Dave is an, an incredible people person. You know, he's yeah. just so giving and so caring and remembers everybody that he meets. And I'm not that kind of person, you know, I'm a little more introverted and I can be difficult at times. So, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's what gets somebody to the position that Dave gets to. Yeah. Is I, that he's so such an amazing people person. He really yeah. is. He loves and cares about people oh, from yeah. his kids and his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like and his great mom too. You know, all the musicians like yourself that have ever inspired him. He loves to play with those people. Yeah. He's a he gives he always gives back. And he's like I love that he always looks at no matter what it is, he looks at it half full, not half empty. Yeah, well, he's always it? got looks at the good side of yeah, it. Yeah, like even like they when they had Cage the Elephant open in those shows and the drummer had appendicitis or something. Yeah. Dave Dave sat in, learned their stuff and played. Yeah. So you keep so that they could stay on the tour. I'm like, who does that? Yeah, and he's such a great who guy to do that? that. And also, you know, I, I talked to Dave about that and I said, you know, Aren't they incredible live? He goes, you know what, Matt? I saw him for the first time at a K Rock Weenie Rose, he had his daughter on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he goes, I saw those guys and went Wow, the chaos of these guys live. First time I'd seen that since a band like Nirvana. Like, they really had that energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he doesn't ever mind giving credit to other artists and helping them out. And like you said, that's just love of playing, love of music, Yeah, right? you know, Dave, Dave, and I, Dave and I had brushed up against each other over the years. You know, back in 91 when we were doing show, you know, Nirvana was doing European stuff right before, the, right before Nevermind came out. But uh, it was in uh, 09 that we actually sat in a room and talked about stuff. It was at the 930 Club in D.C. And, uh, you know, Seth Hurwitz, who's booked the room, he had both of us come in, and Ian played as well, you know, and, and it was just a great celebration of music. But, yeah, Dave and I met and talked about stuff, you know, and he was very generous with his with his words towards me. And, uh, and then he gave a call about, the, about coming down to work on the record to do Dear Rosemary, and that was great. And, you know, it was funny because... 
I got down there and it was, you know, Butch was engineering, yeah. Butch Vig, who I've worked with on a Tar Babies record back in 84 in Madison. Yeah, you know? and so, I, yeah, I thought it was cool when you guys were backstage at the Walt Disney Music yeah. Hall and I was standing there listening to, I was talking to you mm-hmm. and Butch and Dave and you oh, were having yeah. that conversation about how you and Butch had worked together. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and we also, you know, remember in 96, all the Sweet Relief stuff? Yeah, of course. For Vic Chestnut and, yes. and Garbage was, was so giving of their time during during that as well so yeah so i mean and you know and i love garbage and so so butch is in the room he said there hey you know and dave's there but then i turn around and pat's there wow. and you know that first germs record means so much to me yeah i was just like what what is this what are we doing here? <laughs> that's a great it's an amazing <laughs> yeah, it's, story it's just so so amazing you know so yeah so the record comes out and then you know dave's like come and do some shows and they brought me over uh last july to dj when they did Milton Keynes National Bowl, you know, they did two nights, 65,000 people each night. And I'm up there DJing, like right at the front of the stage between, you know, between all the bands, you know, after Tame Impala, you know, before, you know, was that Biffy Clyro? And, yeah. You know, Death Cab were on one of the shows. I think it was just like, wow. Yeah. And then it sort of morphed into going out last fall and DJing, you know, like at the Garden and at Verizon Center. And yeah, and at Prudential Center, you were Prudential there. Prudential and Wells Fargo I, walk, I was Philly. walking backstage, and I'm like, there's Bob's room, too. You yeah, know? that was that was super great. And they would have me come up and play uh, play Rosemary, and then they added the Petty cover. And Yeah. But here's the kicker. Okay, so we're, a couple of weeks ago, we're together at uh, Pukel Pop yeah. in Belgium. Such an amazing festival, and it was such a terrible tragedy last year. Yeah. That they had the stage collapse that that storm just blew through, so... One year to the day, we're all doing the show, you know, and uh, I had to get back to uh, Brussels Airport quick. So I said to Dave, I said, Dave, do you do you want me to come up and play tonight? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, it would really help us all because we got to get the bus back and do all this stuff. Can we do it a little earlier in the set? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I said, you know, I really love Learn to Fly. I said, have you ever, and he's like, let's just do them back to back. And then yeah. we, so we went in the rock room and sort of worked it out and. It was just crazy. So we're doing the last chorus of Learn to Fly, and I sort of edge up to my mic, and Dave just stepped back from his and just walked over to me with this big grin and, like, nods. And I was like, oh, you want me to finish it? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was really, I mean, every, you know, all his crew, you know, they, they were so good to me. They were all like, what is going on? That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I got to get, I got to get. We got to find that. Is that on YouTube uh, yet? Or? My, my tour manager went out and shot like the big Tron. So, yeah. you know, we've got it somewhere. That's incredible. Oh, man. Now, will Super people fun. get to see the uh, the Walt Disney Music Hall show at some point? Yep. They I, sure will. Yeah, we shot, yeah. yeah, we shot that with six cameras and uh, we're trying to figure out the right way to let people see that. So, I think there's going to be, we've almost got something figured out. So, that'll probably be the Something, yeah. something shortly. Yeah, we'll, be well able to we talk look forward about. to getting that as well. Yeah, but that it, was that was such a great night, and thanks again for coming out and doing that. Hey, I mean, everybody a, loved you know having you there, and it was super fun. It was my honor to be there, Rob. Really loved your music from day one. You know that, and I was you know I remember playing stuff on Rutgers radio station. I would do Rutgers <laughs> year round, and then Princeton too in the summers, mm-hmm. and you know DJing as a college kid and getting a ticket every day that I because Princeton cops have nothing else to do. It's Princeton uh-huh. University, so they would give me a ticket every day. I'd go, the meter's going to run out. i got to put on another song, and then they run out there, and there'd always be a ticket. I'm like, oh, okay. I was paying to be on the radio at that point, but hey, what are you going to do? I was having fun doing when I was show. When I was a college DJ, I always had music for 18 musicians, kick the Steve Reich album, kick yeah. around in case I needed yeah. something long. At least you needed to go to the bathroom yeah, or whatever so other was 12 reason. minutes. Here's a long one. Got to find those tracks, that's for sure. Um, once you finish the Sugar Shows, 
Will there be um, a Silver Age tour as well, and a full like? Will you do a full re- retrospective kind of? Tour? Well, th- well, this well this uh, tour that we're on right now, you know, the we start the show with Copper Blue, start to finish. Yeah, and then we do a lot of Silver Age stuff, and then we do a lot of the Songbook. You know, we yeah. go pretty deep, and we go pretty far back. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's solo stuff, there's Husker stuff, there's other Sugar stuff, there's yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's so that's pretty much what we're doing right now. I think. The, you know, Copper Blue start to finish, I think we're probably going to put that to rest, you know, after these dates. Yeah. I think we'll do that maybe once around the world, and then I think that's where we're going to leave it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Silver Age stuff has been so much fun to play. Yeah. And, you know, and the Husker stuff. I mean, you know, John is, yeah you know, big big fan from the old Philly days. Yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> Mid-80s. He saw a lot of those, you know, those basement shows and yeah. Love Hall and all that craziness. So. Yeah, which is so cool. So it must be... What a treat for him he, to play it. Yeah, I, he knows the drill. So. Watching John do the songs, amazing. Oh watching my watching Dave Grohl play New Day Rising with you at that other event as at, well. At was Disney amazing. Hall, how about that? It was it was like you know, it was like Thunder. They're that both was great that drummers. Was, that was frightening. Yeah. It, it <laughs> was, was like what? It was an incredible, incredible yeah. show. Yeah. Um hey, you know, another question for you, Bob, is you know, you've been producing over the years for many mm-hmm. people. Yep. You know, Soul Asylum's Made to Be Broken yep. is a great example, but there's so many things. Magnapop. The Magnapop Articles stuff. of Faith. Yes. Zulus. You yeah. Know, a lot of fun stuff. Let's talk about uh, your production. Have you thought about producing any other artists when you have some time? Is there, is there, I mean, is there. I mean, there's uh, a lot of new bands whose work I really, really love. I mean, you know, things that are in the vein of, you know, like No Age or Fucked Up. Yeah. Or people like that. The Men. I mean, yeah. there's so many great, you know, bands, really edgy bands that, uh, I mean, they're doing great on their own, but those are people I'd love to work with. You know, people, you know, you know, like Ryan or Dave or doing stuff with them would be super fun. Yeah. Um, as far as like the electronica stuff, you know, I know it's probably not the best to bring it up when I'm in, in the middle of pushing a rock tour. But, no, but the electronica stuff's great yeah. too, and you've been into it for a while. Now the whole EDM thing of people becoming yeah. young people getting this Skrillex, Dead Mouse, Cascade, yeah. you know, and even listening to stuff like Burial and every, you know, I mean, I'm just yeah, you know what yeah. I'm, you know what I'm real, you know what I'm really looking forward to is yeah. the, is the stuff that's coming up that Daft Punk is doing with uh, Lionel. Man, yeah, it's uh, yeah. What what's that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be cool, right? Yeah, because I mean, I I met Thomas Bangalter from Daft Punk, and the you know yeah. the first thing he said to me was, you know, I listened to Copper Blue every day solid for six months. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, which is and you. So you, I was a Daft Punk solid every day for a year. Yeah, <laughs> which gotcha. is think about it, it's incredible. And have DJed and played a ton of their stuff. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So you know, it's a yeah. I mean, there's all there's a lot of things that I, I I look forward to doing. I mean, I try to stay current with music. I'm. You know, my DJ gigs, you know, with Blow Off and also with uh, Distortion Plus, my rock DJ stuff, you know, I'm always constantly listening to new stuff. Yeah. And, I, and I'm really happy about that. I think there's a tendency when people get in my, you know, get in their 50s or, you know, get towards that point in their career where they're they're looking, they're all they're doing is looking back. You know, the DJ gigs really force me to stay current. So I'm really happy that, you know, I mean, as much as people are like, don't DJ, just rock. I'm like, well, I really have to. Yeah, do both because that keeps me engaged, and it, and it also it's fun for you too. Yeah, I love a, it. It's a whole other way of expressing yourself. It's a whole different way of expressing myself, and 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 it's amazing that it's all worked out like this. Oh, so know? what would be in like you know name like four or five songs that would be in a set of of your electronic set, and then of of the rock set. Well, I, I mean, there's the, there's things like well, like the single off the Divine Fits record. I mean, I can play that next to a new disco song. Yeah, you can. Right? You know, I can yeah. I can play that next. You know, I can play that right up against uh, you know Holy Ghost. I can go you know I can go right to Divine Fits. And, yeah. Um, Speaking of Holy Ghost, what do you think of that cover they did of Ministries? I wanted to tell her. 
from that first. I haven't heard that. Yeah, they did. What? Yeah, they did a really like verbatim cover of "I Wanted oh, to my Tell gosh. Her." And they got permission from Al Jorgensen's wife. Wow. Because remember, Al was, had, Al, like, yeah. was denouncing the first record with Sympathy mm, yeah, for Years. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? And I love that record. I mean, I love the later stuff, too. But I, I played those songs in clubs through in the early 80s. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the time. Yeah, those Work were, for those love. Were, you know, those, were, those were great records. Those yeah. Those were definitely great records. So you got to get the Holy Ghost version. Very, very cool. Yeah, check that out. Yeah, and Divine Fitz record's really cool, too. What, yeah, what that's, a, that's a fun one. I'm trying to I'm trying to look and see if I, what kind of rock stuff I would... God, what have I... And usually my rock, the rock stuff I have to keep it sort of away. It's hard yeah. to mix it all up. I mean, there's, but it's funny. I mean, when you look at you know like uh, you know Death Cab had a whole lot of remixes. Yeah, you know for the last album there was a cut copy remix of uh, Doors Unlocked and Open that I played a lot. Yeah, that's very cool. So I mean, there's I mean I mean the younger audience knows that there's not that much difference anymore. Yeah, you know indie electronica you know and rock all sort of. They all mix They all live in the same place now. They really do, and, cool. and and people just love what they love. So it's younger people. So it's a, you know they'll listen to stuff from all. Yeah, when you mentioned Skrillex, I mean like his early stuff. You know that was a little from first more, to was, last, right? Yeah, there was yeah, and and even the early Skrillex stuff that was more electro and not yeah. as not as dubstep as, you know, I mean we all have the things that we like, but I mean he's you know he does cool stuff. He does great stuff. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a musician. Yeah. Who does DJ stuff? He really is, and that's because he started in the band from first to yeah. last. I actually took him to dinner on his 18th birthday. Oh my <laughs> because, gosh! Wow. Because listen, no, no, you know why? Well, him and his band from first to last, uh-huh. because you know they. I was asked by his manager, he goes, "Will you meet with the guys?" And I said, "He said, oh, it's you know, it's Sonny's 18th birthday." I'm like, well, "Let's celebrate it! Tip him, bring him out to dinner." So I brought him to a Spanish place on 23rd Street, El uh-huh. Quixote, next to the Chelsea Hotel. Yes, great restaurant, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and I think he, you know, although he was underage, he definitely had some fun that night. Had some cool, drinks, but cool. uh, he's a really creative and, and great. And gracious and, and cool young guy. Have you, and, and, or like Morgan Page. Yeah. You know, another guy who's really, really, really yeah. creative, you know, comes at it from more of a songwriter perspective. Yeah. Or Cascade. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, sometimes I play electronic stuff for the for Jason and John, and they're like, wow, there's songs in here. I'm like, yeah, you just have to look. You know, you have yeah. to find the people that write songs. Yeah, people that do. And you're right, Ryan Cascade, he does. He's, yeah, he's also he's very good. Yeah, he's really, really gifted. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff out there. There really is, Bob. Yo, so we're excited. It's so good to have you here. Thanks, man. Thanks again. for having me up. You know, I, 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 was, uh, I was happy to be able to get you up and get you. I know you're so busy, and the tour's been moving really quickly. Yeah, between, things, things are wild right now. But it's fantastic. Isn't it great? I mean, everything's going on. I mean- between the book, the reissues, the new album, the tour, I mean, it just... Yeah, I'm enjoying the albatross that is my sound. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've done a lot of great stuff. Thank uh, you, You man. know what I mean? It, it's, it's moved a lot of people and inspired so many artists. Right, thank Bob, you. thanks for coming by again. Great right, to man. have you. Thanks, Dick. It's Bob Mould on the Hivecast. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.